Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Involvesoft about how you can engage your employees through corporate volunteering initiatives. Dr. John Westover is an associate professor of organizational leadership and ethics in the Woodbury School of Business, director of academic services learning. Uh, he's in the Office of Engaged Learning at the Center for Social Impact. Uh, he is the human capital leadership and performance management consultant and recently a Fulbright scholar. Dr. Westover has hands-on experience implementing skills-based community volunteer programs and delivering expert uh, impact assessment studies. Now. We, um, we're very fortunate to have Dr. Westover with us. Um, and he, you know, we're, companies are getting, um, or pervasively utilizing volunteer programs. But as you can see through some of the questions in the polls, engagement, how do we build these programs? How do we engage the people that participate? How do we engage others? How do we measure? Um, these are things that we are developing collectively as a human resource. Um, society. And so Dr. Westover is, is one of the absolute leaders in this type of research, and he's going to talk about what he does with students and employees. There's a connection between both. We're excited to have him here. Um, and let me do a, let me sort of tee this up, and then you'll hear from Dr. Westover. So um, let's see. We're just going to move one slide past this. There we go. So volunteerism is everywhere. And by the way, all the sightings for this data we're happy to share in the, um, in the handouts. But 85% of larger US companies have corporate volunteer initiatives. Um, it, we're probably closer to 90, that data is a year old. Even so, about 70% of those even have VTO or volunteer time off programs. So volunteering is ubiquitous. Um, and the connection between volunteering and engagement is now embedded in the way we operate. There are more studies than we can count or distribute that make those connection and we want engagement. Uh, the change in our workforce, the change in our HR challenges requires that we engage our employees. Um, in the early stage though of markets like this or environments like this, like volunteering and engagement, um, knowledge about what's great and what constitutes best practice along with technologies lag. Um, so we get this question all the time, what does a great program look like? What are the components of it? How do we implement it? Um, what do the resources look like? So we endeavor to ask those, answer those questions in these monthly series, and um, as do a lot of other experts in the industry. We need goals, and we need technology that reduces the level of effort. Um, human resources, we don't always get as much um, resources as we'd like to get, and so the, if we 
uh, as you see initiatives grow and you see evolution in the space, it's often around tools that make this go faster, easier, and cheaper. How do we drive engagement? So we talked about this earlier, we, we brought it up, but how do we engage the people that participate and how do we engage everybody else in the company? It's a big question. And the last, and again, I'm, I'm queuing this up for Dr. Westover, but one size does not fit all. So um, we've got our employees and they've got different needs, wants, and desires and make them um, best, have them implement the best we can in, in volunteerism. And all the events that are available to us, they provide different value as well. So matching those are some big questions to answer. Uh, here's Dr. Westover. All right, thank you, John. I appreciate the, uh, the opening uh, and the introduction. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, and just as, uh, as I start uh, presenting some of the materials here that I've prepared for today, I do want to uh, reiterate uh, that in my role at the university, at Utah Valley University, uh, I'm a professor of human resource management in the organizational leadership department, and I am the director of academic service learning in the Center for Social Impact. Uh, and those two things, I think, fit really well with the topic of discussion for today. Uh, my research focuses um, really on two main areas. I have, I have several different strands of research, but two main things that I tend to focus on over and over again, and that is employee engagement and social impact work. Uh, and the intersection of those two, I think, provides a lot of opportunity for organizations uh, from a PR perspective, uh, from a, an employee engagement perspective, and from a social impact perspective. And, and so I'm excited to have a chance to describe a little bit of what we're doing at my university, um, both on the student side and on the organizational side to try to drive higher levels of volunteerism and social engagement to uh, help have meaningful social impact and engage employees within organizations. So this first slide you see uh, gives you a summary of, of what we're doing at our university. As a background, Utah Valley University in Orem, Utah, uh, we have about 40,000 students. We're open enrollment. And we have a dual mission uh, in that we serve both the community college function and the university function in the region. Uh, and so we have students of all stripes that come in to our campus and seek opportunities to learn and grow and develop. And it's our job as you know professors and staff um, on campus to try to help them find success. One of the ways of doing this is a high impact practice uh, that's been acknowledged in the uh, higher education literature, and that is community engagement work or service learning efforts. Uh, so I oversee those efforts for our campus. Annually, we have about uh, 11,500 student participants in these uh, activities, over 200 events. Uh, we have 90 community partners, and these are just on the nonprofit side of things. We, we have hundreds of partnerships with uh, overall with government agencies, um, for-profit companies, and nonprofits, but we have a uh, community partner database that we maintain uh, at tiered levels of partnership where these community organizations know that they can work with us and our students and we can work with them to further their, their initiatives, their activities, and, and have a win-win relationship. Overall, last year we had over 170,000 uh, community service hours performed by our students on campus 
add a direct uh, value of over $4 million to the local community. We have 365 service learning courses. These are courses that require students to do at a minimum 20 hours of community-based uh, project work. So they're going out into the community and they're doing some sort of meaningful project that connects and relates back to the curriculum in the course. Uh, we have a very vibrant student service council uh, that oversees a lot of the events that happen and the center itself, the, the Center for Social Impact has four full-time staff and plus me as the faculty director. Um, if I can just describe briefly what service learning really means on our campus. This is an engaged teaching and learning strategy where we're trying to involve students in structured activities that one, meet an identified community need, enhance their discipline-based knowledge and skills that they're learning in their courses, strengthens the community, encourages in-depth understanding of course content and a broader appreciation of their discipline, immerses students in the subject matter and its application, and enhances the student's sense of civic responsibility and community engagement. And while much of what I'm sharing with you at, at, uh, at the moment is student-centric, I do wanna reiterate that all of this can apply and really should apply to effective employee engagement and employee volunteerism programs. So you can think about how you can focus your programs on identifying a, a real community need, trying to strengthen that community, um, trying to reinforce what your employees are already doing in their workplace, uh, in your department or division, and, and just have the community be an extension of those efforts in a very structured way that can provide strong impact. That's really the goal of what we're doing on campus and what I think organizations are trying to do um, out, um, with their involvement programs and volunteer programs and organizations. The next few slides outline our framework for how we structure these events and activities and courses to try to involve our students. Um, the first element is called the active citizen continuum. So we recognize at the university that we, we have students coming to us at all different stages and levels of maturity uh, and involvement. Um, at the member stage, we might have a student who comes to an event because their friend invited them. Uh, but at the volunteer stage, we have um, students who are more proactively looking for opportunities to make a difference through volunteerism. Uh, those two first stages though, while good, and certainly it's, it's great to have any level of involvement, um, that's not enough, and we want to move our, uh, our students past that to a conscientious citizen stage where they're actively working with a community partner on a planned project to really an active citizen model where the students are actually proactively going out, recruiting um, others to participate with them. They're trained, they manage other students, and they run projects. Uh, and this is where community is really a a priority in their value and life choices. Uh, my argument would be that not only does this model fit well in the student sphere in higher education, but also in the corporate setting, that we're trying to think about how to involve our employees in meaningful ways that actually is really engaging, that uh, gets them passionate and excited about what they're doing, that we want to move our employees from member to volunteer to conscientious citizen to active citizen. And as we do that, it has all sorts of positive outcomes in terms of their, uh, their engagement. One thing that we know, for example, with millennial students or with Gen Z students or employees is that these types of students and employees 
have a very keen desire to make a strong uh, impact on their community. They, they seek and, and strive for purpose and they want to be able to make an immediate impact. Uh, and so this sort of a model and continuum works really well for that, um, that demographic. Uh, and I think increasingly organizations are saying, seeing the same thing within their companies. The next slide shows you the public service pathways. Um, we have adopted this from the Haas Center at Stanford, and they've identified six different ways that we can get involved with our communities. Uh, one is through direct service, and that's often uh, what employee involvement and volunteer programs look like, is their direct service model. Um, but we also have more um, sustainable, long-term types of engagements through community-engaged learning and research that can occur, social entrepreneurship and corporate social responsibility, policy and government, uh, community organizing and activism, and philanthropy. So the idea here is that we try to understand that there's multiple pathways to engage students or employees on the active citizen continuum. Some employees are gonna be very interested in community organizing and activism. Some are gonna be very interested in corporate social responsibility or social entrepreneurship. Others are more interested in philanthropy. Um, and so the idea would be then to get them involved with those areas that are most interesting to them, that they're most passionate about and, and design and scale programs that will meet those needs, those stated needs for the employees. So if we put those two different frameworks together, we, you see our overall strategic framework at Utah Valley University, combining the active citizen continuum and the, and the pathways of public service. And our goal is to map out all the programs, initiatives, and collaborations that we have on campus and in the community across the six pathways and across the different levels of the active citizen continuum. So here you can see uh, just an example of a, of a beginning of mapping um, what that looks like on our campus and the different types of events or activities. Uh, we have similar mapping for curriculum and courses that are involved in community engagement projects. And I think this sort of a framework can work really well in the corporate setting as you start to build out your volunteer programs uh, to help your employees recognize and understand what the needs are in their local community and how they can really truly get um, involved and engaged in a way that's gonna have a meaningful impact. So I thought I would just share um, with you one example of something that involved our students and a local company uh, that I think is really illustrative of the power of this type of an approach. Um, so Pinnacle Security uh, is a local company uh, that was just across the street. It, it's since um, been bought out and it's transitioned, but this was maybe six or seven years ago. Um, it was right across the street from the university. So we already had a pretty good relationship and partnership with uh, the company. Uh, and I was involved with a student team here on campus who was really interested in social impact work and wanting to make a difference to, to address some, some very um, demanding um, community needs. And so we devised a plan. Uh, I had a couple of the students that were in the student team who happened to also work at Pinnacle Security. 
And so we devised a strategy to get them into their company, to meet with some of the executive team and pitch, uh, pitch a project, pitch an employment involvement project. Um, over the course of the next two years, they garnered support of more than 200 employees within the company. Uh, they raised, oh, these, so these are just two students um, that wrap this company and, and a full student team of maybe five students. Over the course of these next two years, they recruited more than 200 employees at the company to be actively involved in various events, fundraising, and activities, um, and raised over $100,000 uh, to benefit Going Beyond Borders. They also um, did projects uh, for uh, Haiti after the devastating earthquake, and they uh, did a project building uh, dome uh, homes in Belize uh, following a hurricane. Uh, over the course of these two years, uh, the, the, the student involvement, of course, and the student satisfaction and engagement was tremendous. Uh, these students, you, you would never find students who are more passionate, more engaged, more glowing about the university and their experience and all those sorts of things. But we found this, the exact same thing happening um, at the company. Uh, all of a sudden, these employees that just, you know, normally they're part of a security company and they're going out doing their thing. Some are technicians, some are salespeople. You know, some are in administrative or executive functions. And all of a sudden, they have something to be passionate about beyond the day-to-day. -day. They have something uh, to contribute to where they can help deal with very real hunger needs, very real housing needs, very real um, issues that people, and, and in this case, it happened to be international community, that people in the community really needed help with. And they rallied together to, to respond to that need and to provide some solutions uh, for it. Um, uh, John, John, if I could ask a question. Yes, please. Um, in our conversations earlier about your presentation, we talked about, you mentioned something about getting, how you reinforce engagement after these events or within these groups. And, and yeah. as I recall, there was about how do what do you do after the event and what do you do with individuals that do their own thing, so to speak? Yeah, so so I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the university context would, that would apply well uh, in the corporate setting. Uh, one thing that we always do um, within our courses that have these community projects and involve students in community work, we always have student learning reflections. So after the project, the students will always go back and they'll report on what they did, what the outcomes were, and they'll reflect on that experience and how it impacted them, how it enhanced their understanding of, in this case, the curriculum that they're engaged in. And the exact same thing can be utilized within a corporate setting with employees that are involved in a volunteer day, for example. Um, have them as part of you know, the requirement for taking a day off to volunteer, have them uh, explain what they were involved in, what, how it was meaningful to them, what the impact was, and how it will directly influence their day-to-day -day job. Um, sometimes the connection is tenuous, but you'll find as you have very structured, sustainable types of projects and programs where you're identifying real needs, that employees um, will just have very rich, uh, meaningful, and deep things to say about their experiences which then can be leveraged, you know, you can leverage that passion uh, to 
to get them more involved in, in additional initiatives and events and activities that will have further impact and involve more of their coworkers in those activities. Maybe I would also just say uh, a few words about um, assessment, uh, because I think that's another very important piece. And then we'll close for questions. Um, assessment's a really tricky thing. And the reality is I think most organizations don't do any uh, assessment around their volunteerism. Uh, and those that do something, it's usually just counting heads. It's counting the number of participants, perhaps the number of hours, uh, but we want to be thinking thoughtfully about what our real goal is uh, with these activities. On the one hand, we might have goals for social impact, and there's it's, it's too much to even bring into the discussion today. We could spend hours talking about social impact assessment, um, but you do want to be thinking, if that's one of your goals, is to really have a meaningful social impact collectively as an organization, uh, then you want to think thoughtfully and strategically about what assessment pieces uh, you can utilize to ensure that what you're doing actually makes a difference. Uh, on the other side of the equation is we have an employee engagement. So what are your metrics to measure employee engagement and how are you connecting those with the volunteerism efforts that you're uh, promoting within your organization? Uh, the, these can be very simple things like engagement surveys, pre-post test. Um, these can be focus groups, these can be informal discussions uh, following an event where you get uh, employees together uh, to discuss what happened and what went well, what they would like to improve in the future. Um, but whether it's a quantitative or qualitative approach, um, we don't want to miss out on these opportunities to loop back on the experiences and assess both the engagement and the impact of the work that our employees do in these volunteer efforts. Very good, outstanding. Thank you. Um, let's go ahead and back up one slide just for a moment. We'll, um, we'll go, I want to give everybody a moment to ask questions. So, um, you do in the audience have an opportunity to ask questions. There's a uh, a question button on the right hand side of your screen. Um, let's we'll give you a couple of minutes to um, uh, we'll give you a couple of minutes to ask any questions that you like. We'll try to answer them here in the presentation, and we'll also forward the answers to them in writing after we're done. And we're getting close to that that endpoint now. So. In summary, um, volunteerism, it's here to stay. It's um, beneficial to every one of the cohorts, to the organization, to the employees, and to the, um, and to the community. And it's sustainable. The, um, the determination of ROI behind employee volunteering and, and engagement is substantive. Um, it's well documented, and, and we're going to continue to see more studies and more best practice over time. Millennials in 2016 just surpassed the um, uh, every other group in terms of being the largest group of employees. And within about three years from now, there'll be about 50% of our employee pool, and they're more demanding than my age group and some of the others. And so this is uh, an upward curve in terms of, of, of need. Best practice in technology. So, you know, we're a company that automates volunteerism. Uh, we're not the only one, um, although we certainly believe we do a good job. And we've got employees with 200 our companies with 200 employees, we've got those with 110,000 employees. Um, it is the market's responsibility to, to, to you 
to help make this easier to manage, to help make you or allow you to use less resources in order to do so, and give you the tools to measure and grow and achieve some of the goals that Dr. Westover mentioned. Um, best practice is developing. There are lots of voices. We try to make sure we bring those to you um, to help us learn and share. And uh, we often have customers on uh, these calls and webinars to explain some of the things that have worked well and even some of the challenges that they've had. Um, and then I, I, I want to thank you, John, for what you've spoken about today. I think you've certainly raised the bar quite a bit in terms of, of how we can achieve best practice. And one of the great takeaways, I think, has been the uh, identification and matching of causes, the identification and matching of the motivation and skills inside of our employee base, and then these matrix, matrices that you've developed in, in trying to put things together. Um, okay, so let's talk about questions here. We're, we're done. We've got 10 questions. I'm going to ask them, and um, we'll, give, uh, we'll give Dr. Westover an opportunity to uh, to answer these and, and see where we go. And we'll, we're going to do this for about four to five minutes, and then we'll go ahead and end the webinar and answer all the rest of your questions in writing. So, um, Dr. Westover, our first question is, how do we calculate the value of a service number? How do we calculate the value uh, of a service number? Good question. So, the easy answer is that the Department of Labor puts out uh, a uh, they have an index and they put out a, an actual value of volunteerism per hour. Um, that's just a, a rough gauge of what the actual value would be for all of, all of those hours. Um, so every state is different. Uh, every uh, metropolitan area is different. But here where I'm at in Utah, for example, that value is stated at $24, uh, just a little bit over $24 an hour. So as we're calculating the number of student involvement, um, and the number of student hours in these different projects, then it's just a simple matter of multiplying that by 24 and we get a number. Um, that number is intended to include a whole, you know, a whole range of value added, you know, from the experience that the students or the employees are giving back uh, to the community. It doesn't um, capture the, the value of the deliverables. So for example, if I'm involving, um, a student team with you know an organizational project where I, I you know I teach organizational development. So if I'm involving a student team on a consultancy project with a local nonprofit that drastically improves their operations and their ability to raise funds and retain volunteers and employees, you know the the, the value of that project for that nonprofit is huge and it goes far beyond the $24 an hour Department of Labor number. Um, and so in those cases, I, I do a couple things. I try to benchmark across what I know the value of similar types of projects would be. I try to ask the organization what value they place on the project or the volunteer hours that are uh, contributed to their organization. And together we can start to put together a value added number, you know, for the involvement of my students. You could do similar things with your employees. Um, sometimes they're just showing up to one-off events to, you know, Habitat for Humanity, they're showing up to do a build for a few hours or they're going to a United Way event where they're, you know, cleaning up a park or, or revitalizing neighborhood or whatever. And it's just a one-off event. In those cases, probably just using the Department of Labor number is, is sufficient. But in other cases where you have a team of employees working on a long-term sustainable project that's contributing back to the community 
working with local government or working with local nonprofits, um, then you have to, you know, be, be more thoughtful about capturing all the value that might be, um, that might be there in the project. Does that help? No, it did. Sorry, I had you Thank you, Dr. Westover. So, um, next question, and I think this one might be for me since since I qualify, but but it's not, Doctor. This is for you. How do you engage older employee base? How do we engage people older than millennials? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, as as I mentioned earlier, and as you mentioned, John, just at, in the summary, uh, we know that millennials and Gen Z. Um, employees, uh, students and employees really crave this stuff. We don't see that same level of need or desire uh, from Gen X, baby boomer um, populations, uh, but people still have passion. And one thing that's really interesting, I think about the generational differences that we see, you know, with, with millennials and Gen Z, they, they wanna do it now. Um, with, with Gen X and baby boomers, it's not that they don't want to do it. It's just they were happy waiting to do it till later in life or later in their career. So I think what you'll actually find is that some of the more mature employees in your organizations, they have passion for these sorts of things that maybe they were willing to put on the back burner for the first 10, 20, 30 years of their career. But now they're entering that stage, you know, where they, they've kind of done what they're going to do in their career. Some are still moving up, but a lot of them are kind of where they're at and they, they're looking at their second career. Uh, whether that literally means a second career in, in changing jobs or their second career as social entrepreneurs or, or social impact agents. Uh, and so I think there's tremendous opportunity to engage uh, older employees in this type of work uh, as we start to get them excited about what's possible. Uh, one thing I think is true, though, is that for, for many of these older workers, they, they're not so interested in just showing up you know, for a few hours at a Habitat for Humanity build um, or these one-off events. They want to do something that's sustainable, that's meaningful, that's going to have real impact um, in the long term. And so we have to up our game a little bit in what we're doing in our organizations to provide those sorts of opportunities. Thank you. And, you know, we see, um, we see our, our employer base and we see the employee base and we see the type of events, although they're anonymized. And... Um, I, I, we can share that we see cause-based um, volunteering be more specific with older employees, and we see skills-based volunteering. So people have now developed expert skills. They're proud of that. They want to continue to develop it, but they want to share it with others. So we do see an increase in, in, in those two categories within the older base of the employees that we serve through our, our clients. Um, I'm going to another. Do we? Um, this is a really interesting question. Do, do, did we or do we see volunteers getting volunteer fatigue or uh, Dr. Westover, is your population so large? Do you ever face that issue? Yeah, good question. Uh, we, we always want to be thoughtful about that. Um, and I, I think it comes back really to the underlying issue of are we having them involved in meaningful work? Uh, if, if it's meaningful, if they derive value from it, if they're passionate about it, then you're not going to have that fatigue factor. Um, if, it, if it seems uh, just fluffy and uh, really not impactful, then, then I think people get burned out pretty quickly because they just don't see the value in it. Uh, and so 
that it's just an additional reason why we want to be um, to, to think beyond just the traditional volunteer, you know, the traditional volunteer days. My, in fact, just this, just this morning, uh, my university sent out the email to all the faculty and staff, you know, saying it's the United Way Day of Caring Day coming up. So they're encouraging people to go spend, you know, a day or part of their day on this day of caring with the United Way to go out and do these things. Um, I'll, I'll be completely honest with you, the level of participation in the United Way Day of Caring on just kind of a open-ended kind of invitation like that is not terribly high. But when you get, uh, when you have an actual cause and you have actual um, meaningful events that contribute to uh, addressing that, that issue or that cause, then the amount of involvement skyrockets uh, because simply people want to be involved in meaningful work and they want to make a contribution. Uh, and, and so I think that's a, a tremendous opportunity as we try to ramp up the uh, volunteer programs that we have in organization. That's, um, that's a great question and, a, and an equally great answer. Thank you. I'm going to take the next one just because we see this constantly. Um, the question is, how are you able to administratively track all the partners, the programs and the hours, especially when you have a decentralized organization. And so um, I'll speak for uh, our clients. So there are um, there are a lot of people using homegrown solutions like spreadsheets, and that puts a tremendous burden on the HR organization or whomever else is managing it, because essentially you um, you have to make these invitations, you have to track. The people that accept, you have to track attendance because not everybody that accepted attended, and and then track hours and so forth. Um, we are again one of the solutions out there that automate the process. And there's really two things that we do. Um, there's a, a quest, part of this question is about decentralized organizations. So um, just to, to point at that for a moment, yes. So you, we've got companies with 30, 40, 50, even if it's 10 though different locations. Um, in order to get participation rates up, there have to be geographically convenient um, opportunities available to them. Even if you take a company in the Bay Area, they could be in San Francisco, but you could have clients that are 80 miles east and 40 miles south. They don't even have to be decentralized to have that same problem. So um, yes, these can be tracked manually, but the bigger you are, the more diverse they are, um, the more opportunities have to be available to the organization. And automation solves that. So, you know, we are an example of a company that does that. And the first thing we do is we have literally scores of thousands of opportunities to choose from so that um, you either are able to pick the right ones to curate and deliver as organized events, or individuals are able to choose to their passion, whether it's cause or whether it's skill or whether it's geography. Um, sign up is automated, so the counts are automatic. Attendance is automated, so the attendance counts are automatic. Um, the volunteering hours are automated, so that's automatic. And if that feeds into a VTO program, then that's there. And now you've got summary statistics, and they can be broken down by department or by geo so that we can do reporting, we can set goals, and we can increase them. And that's not a, a sales pitch for what we do. It's a description of what the better automation systems do out there. And I think that's why you see this proliferation of companies in that area. Um, moving to another question, uh, we talked about value of service. Um, do we have any suggestions on how to communicate volunteering goals? Like um, in this particular person's question, uh, they're tasked by the CEO to increase the number of volunteers, 
without making employees feel like it's goal-based, but that we're increasing the desire to give back. So Dr. Westover, how do you communicate to get better volunteer participation? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. Um, I'm not sure I have a, a great answer, certainly not a one-size-fits-all answer, uh, because it depends on your company culture, um, your your industry, your sector, and your location, I, I think. Um, but I do think connecting, like, like doing an inventory of skills and passions of the employees uh, can can provide you with really great information about what types of events and opportunities you might um, proactively go out and seek after um, that would then you know likely have a better turnout um, using something like the the pathways and the the uh, the active citizen continuum uh, or some similar sort of framework also helps because it just helps uh, show opportunity and help employees get beyond what maybe their preconceived notions of volunteerism might be, that there's so many ways that they can get involved, so many different types of things that they can do. And there are, there are always things that will connect to their interests, their skill sets, and their passions. Um, one of the reasons why often uh, volunteer levels are pretty low is because they just don't see any relevance and they just don't see how it connects to what they're capable of giving back. Uh, and so, you know, why even bother with it? I think also having direct invitations uh, to individuals, you know, through supervisors and managers uh, is really key. Uh, because, like I said, with with the, the campus-wide email that went out this morning at my university for the United Way Day of Caring, it's just this generic general invitation with no accountability, no follow-up. Um, and the reality is the number of people who are going to actually participate in that will probably be under 5%. And it's just not going to be particularly well attended. And uh, it's a missed opportunity uh, because there, we, there, there was nothing communicated about what actual activities would be happening with the day of caring. There was no specific invitation to individuals connecting to their passions. There's none of that there. Um, so it was a missed opportunity. Sure. Um, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, uh, ask Dr. Westover one more question, and we'll, because um, we're at the 45 minute mark. And But just before I, I ask, of that question, I just want to mention to everybody again that we will, if you have any more questions, please ask them. I know there's a couple here about VTO, there's a couple about um, distributed work environments, and we'll respond in writing to everybody that attended with those. Um, but on to our last question, and thank you everybody for attending. Uh, the number of people that have stayed on and asked questions and listened is, is almost a record today. So the final question here is about training. Uh, Dr. Westover, how do you determine what training that volunteers receive or whether it's even necessary? How do you, how do you prepare people to go into these environments um, by ensuring that they can be as effective as possible? That's a really great question and actually a really key component um, because if people aren't trained, they go out and they don't have very good experiences and that makes them much less likely to go out in the future because they just don't feel like they're contributing or they don't feel like there's value added. Um, you know, in the university setting, uh, we, we do training for faculty members um, to help them understand how to do community-based projects connected with their courses. Uh, we use training for the student council, the student service council, and the student project leads that are over these different events um, to help them understand, you know, various topics like, um, you know, the social impact 
uh, efforts and doing no harm and the, you know sometimes there's specific skill sets that are necessary to be able to go out to a specific project so there's really no one size fits all response to that question but you definitely want to know you know what are the, your goals what are your objectives what specific skills are needed to be able to contribute in a meaningful way to a given event or a project and then um, you know recruit and train accordingly just like you would do for any other sort of project or position within a company the same same principles apply outstanding um i do want to um i do want to mention something about the prior question um the question was about how do we get more participation and how does communication play um we have uh, we did a survey to our client base and we got a really robust um a really robust answer to that question and it, it, it it's very much in line with what dr westover said so um communication is key um to a great degree so what we found is that the number of signups to events did go up with each communication and and one of the things that's valuable and and, and i've also worked extensively in the, in the wellness space and and that is that the the email about the email address that, that is the volunteerism, it's helpful if that's unique and different so that it doesn't conflict with HR emails and there's no um, no desire uh, on the uh, on HR's, HR's part to hold off on an email because we're going to send one that doesn't go well with it. So create a separate email address. The second, um, to give uh, to provide choice because choice then accommodates different passions. Uh, the third was really interesting was that uh, it's very much a social event. So when you can create groups and create um, not necessarily competition, but you can um, highlight different groups' success in volunteering, um, the FOMO, if you will, to make it funny or the, the desire to participate in your group, to, whether it's the sales team versus engineering or it's San Francisco as a team and, and Los Angeles as another, has been very valuable. So. Um, you know, any solution that allows you to create leaders and then have those leaders work with groups has also significantly increased, increased participation. So, um, all right, so we're wrapping up. Thank you very much, everybody. We've uh, we've gone past our 40. Dr. Westover, can't thank you enough for your participation today. Um, thank you, you for being here. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.